Hey everybody, welcome to Right On Radio. Right on, right on, right on. Of course, we are here, we are gathered here today for the Military Analyst Show. I know many of you look forward to it. Hey, please get the shares out. You don't want to miss this one. There's a lot of people who have been captivated by this uh, information on the flat earth. We are continuing the study with Chris's intel on this based on... uh, uh, Rosetta Delacroix's intel, but he always gives her so much credit. But I want to tell you that I believe, and many other people are starting to realize that the alias person of Chris Willison, who we call the military analyst, is in fact one of the greatest researchers in the world. Not only does his military background uh, help him see through the lies of the enemy and the deceptions that have been done and his governmental things, but he has also been a professional analyst and he knows his stuff. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, nobody in in my mind, and this is why I've, I've always, I've never let flat earth stuff go on to my show because uh, as I've expressed my personal opinions, I have a differing opinion. However, I've never seen it presented in the manner that this has been presented. And it has been absolutely fascinating to me. And don't forget, at the conclusion of this series, I'm going to present to you my theory, which I don't think anyone else in the world has put forward. In fact, I've never seen it anywhere else. However, I think it will be very intriguing and perhaps it'll prove just about everything that Chris has said, but also prove the round earthers to be correct. Hey, and just before we bring him on, uh, please remember to support American jobs, support Canadian jobs. Make sure that your supply chain is not broken. And how do you do that? It's from not supporting the cabal that produces all the products that you consume, you know, the stuff that you buy every single month. Did you know that we found a family business that actually can step up and compete against these guys and you can change your shopping dollars. It does not cost you more, but you get superior product. You get product made in the USA. And instead of Walmart and Amazon getting paid, you know who gets paid? Me. And everybody in our community who chooses to participate. And let me tell you, the people in mylibertystand.com community, it has changed some of their lives. And it's actually given me stability. So, uh, you know, it's, we're not as we're not charging you for any broadcast or anything like that. But please consider if you want to change your shopping and stop giving it to the devil and, uh, and help build our kingdom economy then just go to mylibertystand.com, sign up, and one of your fellow listeners will contact you and give you about a 15-minute tour. And just remember, uh, when you do sign up and get your appointment, uh, please honor that appointment. They're not professional salespeople or anything like that, uh, and their time is valuable just as yours is. So thank you very much for that. And just one other quick announcement Uh, Just because time is fleeting, if you are a homeowner and you want to pay off your home fast, if you have been looking for a way to invest that's not in the market, because guess what? 
Uh, no financial advice here, but the market's going to crash, folks. It's going to happen. If you have your money tied up in the market, it's a good chance you're going to get screwed unless you're in the cabal and you sell off at the right time when they all do, which crashes the market. Uh, there is a way to get into real estate investing. This is not teaching you how to be a realtor. I have no interest in that. But real estate investing is very, very good right now. And I not only teach you how to do it, uh, but I teach you how to do it using other people's money as well. Yes, you can get into real estate without using your own money. Now, if you are completely broke, uh, if you have a hard time coming up with 100 bucks, this course is not for you. I want to say that because even if you were going to do it using other people's money, you're probably going to need a couple hundred bucks to... Uh, to carry yourself over. Okay, folks. So I want to be very clear about that, but you can go to writeonyou.com and check out the real estate course. I made an informational video. It's not a sales video. I suggest you watch the video. It is a good use of your time. And hey, while you're on writeonyou.com, that's right on with the letter u.com. Don't forget to check out the military analyst. You can support him and his work. It also supports the platform as well. And uh, we put up a new intel every week. And today there are new intel as well. I dropped the CIA agent uh, goes against the 911 theory with evidence. And also I put on a Roman Catholic monk uses the Corona visor and sees the future. And it is spectacular uh, document for you to pour over and those are available on writeonyou.com the military analyst and without further ado because he uh, has risked his life to bring us much of this intel i don't want to waste any more of his time mr military analyst chris wilson welcome back to right on radio thank you jeff it's always an honor and a pleasure to brief your audience and let them know the truths of life that have never been divulged to the general public throughout history of our civilization. Today, we're going to be covering two more sections of Rosette Delacroix's Flat Earth series. <clears throat> she is the number one decoder or decipher in the world today in the English language. As a professional analyst and researcher, both from the military as an officer to the of a senior federal analyst, I know the difference and I get the best of the best of the best for Jeff and his audience, guaranteed. So today, uh, this one is uh, of her Flat Earth Decoded series. It is entitled Part 7, Atlantis, Lemuria, and the Mary Connection. So I'll start forward. I just want the understanding uh, to the audience that we are technically and officially the fifth root race of mankind. The fourth root race was Atlantis. The third root race was Lemuria. The second root race was Hyperborea. And the first root race, which was the Polarian. So through this, you'll gain a greater knowledge of the truth of life and what we were meant to learn from the very beginning from our creator, which you call G-O-D. All right. So... Onward, keep in mind, Rosette Delacroix, she always states, this is a, a logo as well, in quotes, the truth is in the code. So going forward, this is what happens when you're researching. These are her words. 
on one subject and another fascinating point of interest arises. So many clues begin to surface, which lead to a new area area of topics they are con connected with and all are simply amazing. Then of course, you wish to share your discoveries and you veer off from the original subject path and work on this new course instead. Well, that's what's happening here. I worked on some interesting connections with the giant trees, which led me to Easter Island in the Pacific. The Easter Island research offered more connections than led me to other places located around the world. The common link, Mary. Wow, does this lady get around? Let's go through and see the significance of what, when, and why, and how in the world does it relate to, quote, flat earth? Well, it does in a spectacular way. And you will also be able to see all of these essays and uh, articles on Jeff Shepard's uh, university platform, which is uh, right on underscore you. And you can read these and you can also download them. So going forward is that it shows a picture of the Moai on Easter Island after the picture of what we know is uh, Mary, but it's not the Mary. This is uh, a different Mary. And we're going forward. It says, let's start off at where we, went, <clears throat> where we ended in part six. In that part, we learned that Eden, E-D-E-N, was at the North Pole and that Atlantis occupied the area for a time before the Great Flood and was partially the reason for the flood to sink Atlantis. We learned that the Garden of Eden, being in a separate place from the original Eden, was located in the Philippines. That is absolutely correct. So then it shows the next picture of what uh, a rendition of what the fourth dimensional city of Atlantis was. Atlantis was not only a fourth dimensional race in the North Pacific above Scotland and Ireland at the essentially the 30 degree latitude, but it was actually named after the a multi-hubbed city which was on the southeast coast of the continent that they named uh, through Michael Sarian, and that's T-S-A-R-I-O-N, was called Appalachia. There were five continents uh, originally, and there are different names. The only one that is close is Oceania, which was Australia. We'll get into that at a later date. So we have Atlantis at Eden, and we have always heard of, of an ancient Lemuria, other, the other that was destroyed civilization before the Great Flood. That was about 50,000 years ago and was located in the Pacific. We are told that Hawaii is a remnant of this ancient land still standing in the Pacific. And now that we know that Atlanteans were connected to the Phoenicians and that the Lemurians were connected to the Polynesians, everything is based on gematria and also on phonetics. So it shows a picture of where Lemuria was and where Atlantis was. We'll go forward. Both were seafaring people. And notice how close Polynesians is to the word Phoenician by spelling and pronunciation. Remember the Phoenicians are into phonetics and they are the ones that do the crafty wordplay with words, putting a PH in place of a V like Stephen, which can be spelled S-T-E-V-E-N, and then Stephen, which or Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. If we do the same with Phoenician, sound the P-H like a V, we get what? Venetian. 
V-E-N-I-S-I-A-N, which is named after Venice or other way around. What is a Venetian? A Venetian uh, is a Venus uh, worshiper, a Venus worshiper, pronounce it slightly different. We get Venice and then the word I-C-I-A-N at the end. So see how the merchants of Venice are directly connected to the Phoenicians. Now the Polynesians. If we look at the N-E-S-I-A-N-S part of the word, it sounds like Nishin, N-I-C-I-N-S. So they are the same and they share the same ending and Nishins are actually the Venetians, V-E hyphen N-I-C-I-A-N-S. So the word poly, P-O-L-Y, which means many, <clears throat> are many Venetians, V-E-N-I-C-I-A-N-S. And Phoenician can be pronounced Phoenix, F-O-E-N-I-X hyphen I-A-N. They are the Phoenixes, which is a symbol of the pharaohs. Then it shows pictures that I incorporated into this as well, as I do certain editing on various uh, uh, essays and articles. So when I opened, she continues, when I opened a Google search on the ending of N-E-S-I-A-N to find the meaning and etymology, a list came up. On that list was Kenesian, which is uh, K-E-Y-N-E-S-I-A-N for the British economist, John Maynard Keyes. And it is said, quote, Nixon remarked famously that in quotes, we are all Keynesians or Keynesian now, meaning we are all living under his uh, world concept of uh, domination and uh, how the world works. Now, many things they say are full of double speak. So we have the literal meaning for the word profane pertaining to Keynes, which is K-E-Y-N-E-S, but we also have a hidden meaning. Excuse me, I've got to clear my throat. <clears> throat> um, first, Keen, K-E-Y-N-E, is phonetically the same as Cain, C-A-I-N, as in Cain and Abel. So we are all Keynesians now, meaning we are like Cain, C-A-I-N. Then we have, we are all the Canetians, which is K-E-Y-N-E-S-I-N-S, now meaning that we are all like the Phoenicians of P-H-O-E hyphen N-I-C-I-N-S. Phoenicians, Canetians, key is E-N-K-I, Enki, and I'll go into that at a later date. Another name for Satan or Lucifer. So we are now all Luciferians. That is what President Richard Nixon was saying in doublespeak. And if we take the word now, N-O-W, and switch the letters, we get what? N-W-O, the New World Order. So Nixon was saying in doublespeak that we are all Luciferians now under the New World Order. You think I'm stretching things, she states? I guarantee you that this is exactly how they think. Everything is a ritual and everything is an opportunity to either praise Lucifer or cast a spell on us toward their new world objective known as the NWO. Ideas shaped the course of history. That was stated by John Milton Keynes, K-Y-N-E-S. He knows it is a war of mind. Notice the M on the horns in the photograph that you will see of him being on the photo uh, on the cover of Time magazine that uh, there are horns 
stated in the background that are just a, uh, a light background of his image. And you'll also notice that there is the letter M of the word time for Time Magazine directly over his head. Those are meant to be referencing horns. He is wearing a blue tie. The blue tie represents blue bloods, which I've discussed before. He is looking to his left, meaning that he is a follower of the left-hand path. And his he has uh, the symbol of the moon eye behind him in the um, background, which is a scattered for decoration, but it, everything is based on gematria and that it's signs and symbols rule this world, not laws and words. So onward, and then notice that his left ear in this photograph, which you'll see when you go to Jeff's site, that is his left ear is showing. He only listens to the left, much like Zena LeVay's husband, and that's L-E-V-A-Y apostrophe S, Nicholas Schreck, S-C-H-R-E-C-K. Now, who actually, uh, who actually cut off his right ear so he could only hear from the left-hand side? Zena is a daughter of Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan. And here's Shrek, uh, the next picture, visiting Charles Manson. Now, so we see that uh, the next picture is about uh, the uh, world map uh, showing that Atlantis was an island and Lemuria was an island or possibly a chain of islands. And their influence would reach all of the islands in their area. So it shouldn't be surprising that they're connecting between the islands of the Pacific and their people. If we look at the Philippines, Hawaii, New Zealand, and Rapa Nui, which is R-A-P-A, second word N-U-I, which is an, the original name for Easter Island in the South Pacific, we see that we are all miles away from one another. The Philippines being further west, New Zealand, the furthest south, Hawaii, the furthest north, and Easter. Now notice in the word Easter Island, you have the word E-A-S-T is the furthest east. All have common bonds. Now, she states how they got their island names. I find it very interesting that the story that they tell us on how Lemuria got its name is because it had a lot of lemurs, which are a indigenous animal to... Uh, uh, Madagascar, when in reality, it got its name for Mary, M-A-R-Y. Lemuria, which is L-E, second word, M-U-R-I-A, is La Maria, which is L-A-M-A-R-I-A, or, quote, the Mary. Now, that is the true origin of the name. Lemurs are endemic to Madagascar, which is all the way on the other side of the world from the Pacific Islands. It would be completely illogical logical or ludicrous to name islands in the Pacific after animals that only lived on an island in the Indian Ocean. Then it shows a picture of three lemurs uh, cuddled together. The next is going to go over uh, as a photograph of uh, Madagascar, in, which is in the southwest uh, region off of uh, Africa and off of uh, South Africa. So we see how they have one story for the profane and the real story for the adepts. Let's look at some others. We mentioned in part six how Ophir, O-P-H-I-R, was renamed when the Spanish came to the Philippines and the Philippines was named 
in honor of King Philip II of Spain. From the wiki, which is Wikipedia, we learn that Philip II was not only the king of Spain, but of Portugal, Naples, and Sicily. And by the right of his wife, uh, the king of England and Ireland during the marriage to his Queen Mary. Known in Spain as Philippe el Prudente, which is F-E-L-I-P-E-E-L-P-R-U-D-E-N-T-E, that is translated into Philip the Prudent. His empire included territories on every continent known to the Europeans, including his namesake, the Philippines. During his reign, Spain reached the height of its influence and power. This is somewhat called, sometimes called rather, the golden age. That expression, the empire on which the sun never sets, was coined during Philip's time to reflect the extent of his domination. And if we look at the word Philippines, we can see how it is two words in one, Philip and the word pines, P-I-N-E-S, and how pines is an anagram for penis, P-E-N-I-S. So Philip is pissing over this land like an alpha dog making it his own. How do we know? Wait until we look at the flag for more confirmation. Notice that like Keynes, K-E-Y-N-E-S, Philip is looking to his left in the portrait and only his left ear is showing. Notice too that he is wearing a Masonic black uh, and white uh, outfit, meaning uniform and hat. And his face is very grim, but they always look to the left, the left path of life, which is satanic, demonic. We also mentioned that uh, Hawaii and how close its name is to the ancient name for the land of Ophir, O-P-H-I-R, being Havalia, which is H-A-V-I-L-A-H. In Hawaiian, the W is actually pronounced like a V. So Havi, which would be for like Hawaii, you pronounce it Havia or Havala, which is H-A-V-I-L-A-H. Very close so that it would be the true meaning. But what is the meaning for the profane? If we look to the Wikipedia, it tells us that the Hawaiian language quotation, this is in quotes, the Hawaiian language word, which is H-A-W-A-I apostrophe I, is very similar to Proto-Polynesian, which is known as S-A-W-A-I-K-I, with the reconstructed meaning homeland, in quotations. Uh, cognates of Hawaii are found in other Polynesian language, including Maori, which is M-A-O-R-I, which is also H-A-V-A-I-K-I. And it's also R-A-R-O-T-O-N-G-A-N, which is in parentheses known as A-V-A-L-I-K-E, I-K-I. And in Samoan, it's S-A-V-A-I apostrophe I. And according to linguists, uh, Pukul and Ebert, and that's P-U-K-U-I, uh, and then Elbert, E-L-B-E-R-T. Elsewhere in Polynesia, Hawaii or a cognate, which is C-O-G-N-A-T, the name of the underworld or the ancestral home, but in Hawaii, the name has no meaning. So in Hawaii, it has no meaning. That's hilarious. Of course it does. It has the name of the land of Noah, N-O-A-H. 
a very special place indeed. But what would they like us to think it means anyway? They tell us that it's the land of the underworld. Wouldn't that be the opposite of a heavenly place? A place of hell? Underworld? I don't think so. Then she shows pictures of the Hawaii coastline and the, the mountainous terrain rising from the, uh, from the coast. And then she has, uh, do you think, she goes on to say that, do you think one of the biggest telecom companies in China knows the meaning? The, the company's name is H-U-A-W-E-I, which translates into Hawaii or also into H-A-V-I-L-A-H. Notice the symbol that looks like a star. You can't see this audience, but basically it takes the word in all capitals for the Chinese communication company, H-U-A-W-E-I. And above it, it shows the petals of a flower that are stylized. And there are a total of eight, just like a rising sun, but it's they're spread out anyway. What she's trying to say is that it is everything is based on symbolism. And the eight-pointed star represents the real Illuminati, as China, will, the Yuan, will become the new world currency uh, very shortly within the next year, overtaking and placing the United States dollar in fifth. If we look at Rapa Nui, which is R-A-P and then N-U-I, which means, which was renamed as Easter Island, we have more clues. Rapa Nui means that Rapa means island, as in I-S-L-A-N-D, and Nui, N-U-I, means great. So in, that's in Moai, which is M-O-A-I. So we have, in quote, great island. And notice how close N-U-I is to N-U-I-T, which means night in French. And Rapa, R-A-P-A, is the main island in French Polynesia. With French being the official language, so translated, quotation, night island. Why would night island be significant? Because Mary is Isis, I-S-I-S. That is the Egyptian god of the morning sun, where Ra is the Egyptian god of the midday sun, and Hathor is the, is the uh, Egyptian god of the setting sun. So what she says is Mary is Isis, which means the moon goddess who rules at night. This is all Luciferian. So how do we connect Mary with Rapa Nui? Well, in 1955, Thor Heyerdahl made an expedition to Rapa Nui, which is Easter Island, and he said he landed there on Easter, and so he named the island after that date. So that would be the story for the profane. Easter is a celebration of Ishtar, I-S-T-A-R, not Jesus. And Ishtar is just another name for Isis, because throughout all the different cultures and races at that time, in their own languages, they had the same meaning, but used different words. Ishtar, Isis, Ashtar is just three examples. So they named the island after Mary, M-A-R-Y. Notice how close Mary is to Moai, M-O-A-I. It's all a direct connection. She shows more pictures of the Moai, which are the giant stones on Easter Island. They're over 900. And then she shows one in daylight in morning and one in the evening. And if we look at the wiki, which is Wikipedia, on the naming of New Zealand, we read in quotes, Dutch explorer Abel, A-B-A-L, Tasman, T-A-S-M-A-N, sighted New Zealand in 1642. 
and called it Statent Land, and that's S-T-A-T-E-N, and Lant is spelled L-A-N-D-T. Supposing it was connected to a landmass of the same name at the southern tip of South America. In 1645, Dutch cartographers renamed the land Nova, N-O-V-A, Zeelandia, which is Z-E-E-L-A-N-D-I-A, after the Dutch province of Zeeland, which I lived in the Netherlands, I've expressed to you, we passed for four years, which remains in this uh, today. So this reminds me of York and New York, N-E-W-Y-O-R-K, how the Masons from the York Rites Lodges in the United Kingdom versus the Scottish Rites in Scotland named a state after themselves in the United States. Wow. So the profane get the story that it was named after an area where the Dutch explorer came from. But what else could it mean? Well, take the letter A is the first letter in the alphabet and Z is the last letter. So A would be the alpha and Z would be the omega. Alpha represents the sun, whereas omega represents the moon. So Z represents the moon. And so Z is actually the land is moon land. So again, the land of Isis again, which means Mary. And we know that the Phoenicians love their phonetics. So we let's sound it out and we'll see that we can find New Zealand is actually New Zealand, which is N-E-W-Z, second word Z-E, third L-A-N-D, or Nazi land, literally. Now you see pictures of New Zealand, how beautiful it is with their mountains and lakes. And it's uh, then of, uh, she goes on with uh, uh, the uh, lush foliage. Okay, now we get into the flags. Flags. So we see the names have been manipulated to hide certain meanings. What about in their flags? We'll take the Hawaiian flag. Remember, in the Huawei, which is H-U-A-W-E-I flag, we had eight rays, okay, which I expressed. Now, if we look at the Hawaii flag, we have eight stripes. Now they tell us that the eight stripes represent the eight main islands. That would be the story for the profane. The hidden meaning is, of course, that it represents the eight-pointed stars of the real Illuminati, which is Lucifer. Why eight? Because eight is the infinity sign. It is the time loop, a repetitive cycle. So whoever controls the eight controls the world. The G8 summit is the G for their God, but being their God, which is Lucifer. And eight represents infinity. So G8 phonetically is what? It's G hyphen A-T-E or gate. They control the gate and the key to the world, wanting to lock us in. Now, from the wiki, they tell us the flag of Great Britain is emblazoned in the upper left corner to honor Hawaii's friendship with the British. Really? How often do we see that Great Britain interact with the Hawaiian nation? How often do we see that the royal family visit Hawaii? And uh, would you put another country's flag with your countries for any reason? Hardly. So she shows the picture of uh, the with the uh, superimposed British flag over the Hawaiian flag, okay? Their original wine flag. Okay, then you have the picture of what is known as the G8 
where you actually have um, uh, a flat earth map and then you have the eight countries around it, which are Great Britain, France, Canada, uh, uh, the United States, uh, Spain, Japan, and Germany. Anyway, uh, the New Zealand flag. New Zealand has the same Union Jack with its flag. So what does that tell us? That they are just in league with the Brits as well. Hawaii is the crown lands as is New Zealand, as Australia is, as the whole world uh, to the U.S. And it rests on a sea of blue for what are known as the blue bloods, the royalty. We learned that the four stars represent the constellation. We're talking now about uh, Australia and New Zealand. We noticed that the four stars represent the constellation of the Southern Cross. The Northern Cross would be the Northern Star with the constellation Polaris. So the Southern Cross would represent the opposite, like an upside down cross. Okay, then we show New Zealand, and then we show a picture of the uh, these uh, stargazing where you see the uh, uh, constellations, like the layout of the Vatican courtyard with a keyhole and upside down cross, which is the key of Solomon, like the back of the Pope's chair with another version being the bent cross like he carries. And we know that the Vatican worships Mary, but it is not the Mary we know. Onward, it shows a picture, an overhead view, an aerial view of the Vatican. It is truly a keyhole, and that is the key of Solomon, which I figured out over 25 years ago. Onward, it shows a picture of the uh, the bent cross uh, and that the, the Pope's hat. Okay, now we talk about Rapa Nui flag. This is, New, this is Easter Island. The flag of Easter Island, or Mary Island, is known as Ramiro, which is R-E-I-M-I-R-O, first flown in the 13th century. A Ramiro is a decorative crescent-shaped uh, pectoral ornament and once worn by the women of Easter Island. The name comes from Rapa Nui, and the R-E-I meaning stem, okay, or prow, and the Miro, M-I-R-O, means boat. Thus, the crescent represents a Polynesian canoe. Each side of the Remo uh, ended in a human face. The upper middle display side uh, had these two same pierced bumps through which a cord was slung to, for hanging it. The inner side contained a cavity that was filled with chalk and made from powdered seashells. Although the human face or the Ramiro are unique to Easter Island, the pectoral itself is part of a wider tradition. In the Solomon Islands, for example, women wear shells pectoral, which resemble Ramiro. And so Rapa Nui means night island when the moon rains. And it looks like the faces are hands doing the shakes, uh, shaka sign, S-H-A-K-A in quotes, otherwise known as the devil's horns. And that is correct when you see the photograph or the image rather. Then we also have uh, the, a picture of a crescent hung by an African tribe. The crescent shape is, is of course for the crescent moon and worn by the women because the Margi, which is M-A-R-G-E-P-I-E-R-C-Y, uh, 
uh, says that in her famous poem, the moon is always female and the moon is always merry. And then it shows a picture of uh, basically a drawing where you see that the moon is always female. And these are poems by Marge Piercy. Anyway, then it shows a woman that is kneeling in a lotus position with a moon, with a full moon in her background and basically meditating. Now we talk about the Philippine flag. From the wiki, we read, the white triangle signif signifies the emblem of the Katipunan, which is K-A-T-I-P-U-N-A-N, the secret society that opposed the Spanish rule. It states that the flag's colors commensurate the flag of the United States as a manifestation or gratitude for American aid against the Spanish during the Philippine Revolution. When did we hear that before? Oh, yes, in the Hawaiian flag, where they put the Union Jack uh, in to commemorate their friendship with the United Kingdom. Now we see the same thing in the Filipino flag with the U.S. The U.S. colonized the Philippines. They were the landlords, the controllers, and hardly would a free country put their landlords in their flag, only if the landlord was still in control. The original design of the flag adopted is a mythical sun with a face influenced by Latin American republics, uh, it's stating Argentina. Oh, looks like we have a quick interruption here. That happens sometimes when Chris's phone rings. Uh, Chris is muted now, and as soon as he corrects it, he will be unmuted oh, and here. Audience, I'm sorry for that. But with my phone, which is an older phone, it people I've warned in, in advance not to call me during my my uh, podcast time, and they still can't get it correct. Anyway, I, I, I can't shut that off. It's just, it's not a... a state-of-the-art phone. Anyway, I apologize. I need to continue. I, I Excuse me for that interruption. Hopefully he'll, he'll remember because I'll, I'll basically level him tonight when he comes over to visit. Anyway, um, he knows I have a podcast now. Okay, onward. I, uh, so let's go forward. Um, so what she's saying is that the original design of the flag was adopted a mythical son with a face influenced by Latin American Republics of Argentina, Peru, and Uruguay, a triangle representing the uh, the Katipunan, which is K-A-T-I-P-U-N-A-N, which was inspired by the Eye of the Providence in the Great Seal of the United States and the Masonic Triangle, which enshrined liberty, equality, and fraternity. The three stars are said to represent the three main islands and the sun, with eight rays representing the eight provinces that were in a state of rebellion in 1896. But we know already it is a Masonic flag because they just told us. So what do we? What do the three stars and the sun really mean? The three stars represent Ra, El, and Israel, which is basically Isis, Ra, and El, or Israel. Isis, Horus, and Set. The eight-pointed sun would be the eight-pointed star of the real Illuminati, the controllers. They let us. Uh, they tell us that the blue stripe on the top represents the people when it is flipped uh the island is in a state of war but again what the masonic meaning is that the blue bloods are in charge that's why you have the blue on the top in the Philippines. they're the top ruling over the red bloods which are the people of christ that is us and a quick note the masonics 
meaning the Masons, were not against the Spanish Blue Bloods. Hardly. So they were basically doing here is a classic Hegelian, which is H-E-G-E-L-I-A-N dialectic, okay? Playing both sides with the outcome being the same people in control behind the scenes, but the public thinking that somehow had a victory. What else do they do? They make the people happy, work harder, become more productive slaves for the Blue Bloods. So that's a picture of the, uh, you have the Philippines flag, which has got a sun with eight, star, eight rays. You have blue at the top. Uh, and then you have uh, three gold uh, uh, stars around the sun in a triangle, which is a, the triangle is facing uh, horizontally, pointing into the flag. And then you have the red below it. So if we look at the Katipunan flag, we see that the KKK and the K is really 11 in numerology. So just like the Masonic founders of the KKK, which was uh, uh, which was Southern General Albert Pike, used the three Ks, they are used in the flag to represent 33. 33 being the number of the Masons. And the color red and white are the colors of the Knights Templars, the very first Masons. And then we show how uh, she shows that the progression of the KKK on a white letters on a right on, on a red background, then a sun in white on a uh, a red background, then a, a blazing sun uh, on a red background, and then a larger eight pointed sun uh, on a red background, and now progressing uh, chronologically into the Philippine flag today. Otherwise, when when you watch and you see this on on Jeff's show, you'll understand. Now, because of the big Muslim population in the southern province of Mindanao um, wanting to be represented in the Philippines flag as well, and this in 2009, Senate Bill number 3307 was introduced to add an additional ray to represent the Moro people, and that's M-O-R-O. Proponents of the movement believe that a ninth ray should be added to represent the Muslim and the indigenous people of the country who kept colonies away from their lands. I personally don't believe this will happen because the eight ray sun is a very significant meaning and they will not add a ray because this will change the meaning, of course, the meaning that it is the Illuminati that controls the Philippines. In addition, there have been numerous proposals to add a crescent moon into the flag, including one such proposal from former President Fidel V. Ramoa, and that's R-A-M-O-A. A crescent moon, again, would represent Mary, and that's showing that a possibility if that was ever added. However, it has not been done. Okay, now we go into locations of names. Now we have a place of names that connect these islands as well. We look at Oahu. Oahu is spelled O-H-A-U, where I lived for two years with the Army. In New, then in, uh, in New Zealand and in Oahu, so you take the uh, Oahu, O-A-H-U, is in Hawaii, the same letters just switch between the, the H and the A around, okay? Now, what is interesting, adding Oahu, that it is known as the gathering place, and we find that Luzon, L-U-Z-O-N, the main island of the Philippines chain, is also known as a gathering place as well. And even with a connection to our last island, Rapa Nui, the platforms that the giant statues, the Moai, sit on are called A-H-U, in quotes. That's 
capital A, capital H, capital U. So Ahu, Oahu, and Oahu, meaning you have O-A-U-H-U, and then it, you have O-H-A-U, so a reversal of the, of the H and the A. And then it shows a picture of the uh, Moai in uh, Easter Island, or Rapa Nui is its original name. Now we look at the people. Now let's take a look at the people of these islands and see how they're connected. The people of Lemuria, and there is a connection with Atlantis. We know that the Philippines is the ancient land of Havita, which is H-A-V-I-T-L-A-H. And Hawaii means Havita, which is H-A-V-I-T-A-H as, as well. So the Filipinos are really Havitians or Hawaiians in actuality. Then it shows the picture of, we're going to get to the next section, and it shows now we have another connection with the island of Maui, M-A-U-I. In the Hawaiian chain, although the people there are called Hawaiians, we could really call them the Maui, M-A-U-I. And what is the name similar to? How about the word Maori, which is M-A-O-R-I. The Maori are from New Zealand. And then they show the picture of what the actual uh, Moai of New Zealand look like. The sticking out of their tongues, as they do with uh, their painted faces, is used by the Luciferians, of course, we see that in Hollywood by many of the likes of Miley Cyrus, Peter Dinklage, who is the the uh, dwarf on um, Game of Thrones. Uh, then you also have uh, Cara Delevingne. I don't know her. D e l v i n d l e v i n g n e doing it, and with Cara raising the the bar by making her tongue blue for the meaning, referencing the blue bloods. So she references in Isaiah 57, colon four, against whom do ye sport yourselves? Against whom make ye a wide mouth and draw out the tongue? And are ye not children of transgression, comma, a seed of falsehood? That's a quote from Isaiah. And then it shows the pictures of those three individuals mentioned, how they're imitating and uh, mocking Christ. Now, and they have a the main character, which is known as the Moai, M-A-U-I, uh, which is done in the Disney film Mona, which is M-O-A-N-A. So we have the Maui and the Maori, but we also have the Moai. The Moai are the people of Rapa Nui, which is Easter Island. And then it shows pictures of those. Do we have a people in the Philippines with a similar name? Yes. Uh, yes, we do. We have the Moro people, that's M-O-R-O, which makes the Muslim population in the Philippines. Look how similar Moro is to Maori, which is M-O-R-O, is to the word M-A-O-R-I. And from the Wikipedia, we read, the word Moro, M-O-R-O, itself is a pseudonym for which has been used before the 16th century by the Spanish colonists in reference to a Muslim group of Moors, M-O-O-R-S, which originated from Moray, which is M-A-U-R-U, -U, a Latin word that references the inhabitants of the ancient Roman province of Mauritania in Northwest Africa. Mauritania is M-A-U-R-I-T-A-N-I-A. -I so basically, M-A-U-R-U, Moro, is phonetically almost the same as what? Okay, and she goes on to say, uh, with the pictures of the people 
uh, of the of those in the South Pacific. Okay, here is our big flat Earth connection. M a u r u Muru is the same as what? How about the word Meru? M e r u, as in Mount Meru, as in the land of the North Pole, as in the land of Atlantis. We have just come full circle. I believe we have, and Meru, M-E-R-U, is what? Meru is the same as Mary, M-A-R-Y. So what you can see now through the language, how we've connected the Philippines, Hawaii, New Zealand, and Easter Island to the ancient lands of Lemuria and Atlantis and connecting them all to the worship of Mary, just like the Roman Catholic Church. They even show Mount Meru in the movie Mona, M-O-A-N-A. So that was used in the cartoon animated movie. And George Mercator, which is actually, um, it's a <coughs> Gerard Mercator of Flat Earth Map fame, wrote of little people who inhabited the North Pole. He went and visited their audience in the late, mid to late 1500s. He did sail there and he did find four islands. He did find uh, a very dwarf uh, people. And this is what he's explaining. So basically, he's called them, he mentioned, here live the pygmies, that's P-Y-G-M-I-E-S, at most four feet tall, who are like those called the Skraelings, which are S-C-R-A-E-L-I-N-G-S in Greenland. But could they have been kin with one of our islands? How about Hawaii? Hawaii is famous for the little people, as I'm well aware. It's called the Menahue, which is M-E-N-H-U-N-E. Although Menehui seems to be extinct now, could the pygmies of Atlantis be connected with the Menehui of Lemuria? Conceivably, yes. And they do show a picture of these uh, uh, shorter people in a photograph from probably the uh, late 18, uh, 1800s. We have some honorable mentions from around the world that are connected as well. We have the people of the state of Louisiana. They're called the Muirs, M-U-U-R-S. The Washita Muirs, and that's W-A-S-H-I-T-A-W-M-U-U-R-S. So you take the word M-U-U-R-S, that translates across to M-O-O-R-S. And they, she shows the correlation between the phonetics as well as the, the cultures. So, and there are images there when you look on, the, on Jeff's site. And we have the state of Indiana. So what does that truly mean? You take the spelling of Indiana and you have in quotations the word I-N and the second word is Diana, D-I-A-N-A. Diana, of course, being another name for Isis or for, for Mary. So notice the sea of blue for blue bloods and the Illuminati torch itself and the eight stars in the flame. Eight for the eight-pointed star, the number eight. Diana in the picture looks like Isis with her crown and even the Statue of Liberty with her torch. So it shows a picture of the Statue of Liberty with its crown, with uh, Princess Diana, who was married to uh, Prince Charles, and they divorced, and then she married uh, Camellia. Okay, now we go with the state of Maryland. You have two words, M-A-R-Y and L-A-N-D, which is just north of the state of Virginia, which is actually... V-I-R-G-I-N is in virgin and plus I-A, so of the virgin. So, and if you stuck those two together, you would have Mary Virginia, which sounds very much like 
Merovingians, which is M-E-R-O-V-I-N-G-I-N-S, which I've researched thoroughly. So who are the Merovingians? They are the ruling bloodline, of course, for the who? Blue bloods. And if you put Virginia first, you get Virginia Mary or Virgin Mary, which are Mary worshipers. Can it get more obvious uh, once you see the code? Um, then she goes on to state that she credits uh, one of her researchers, uh, Cracker, uh, is uh, for also adding contributions to her work. Then she shows the map, which shows the state of Maryland, which is a very unique, uh, um, ununiform style. Then she shows a picture of uh, a mountainous region, uh, and she goes on to state that we can't leave out another obvious one in the country of India. So India, I-N-D-I-A, is almost a perfect anagram for Diana, D-I-N-A. Check out the screenshot from The Minions. That was a movie, I believe, by Disney, M-I-N-I-O-N-S. I noticed that how India is color blue as it is in night and that it always has the what? The moon, M-O-O-N, shining and showing in the movie. Okay. It's a cartoon one. So we know that Eden at the North Pole was corrupted when the inhabitants of Atlantis taking over. And we know that Lemuria also sunk, and this is where the Garden of Eden was located. Atlantis and Lemuria both worshipped Mary. Atlantis and Lemuria were both sunk by the Great Flood. Mary standing on the moon. Did you notice how close M-O-O-R is the word moon? And then she shows a picture of the Virgin Mary and there was a crescent moon beneath it. She's showing the how that the what has happened through religion and to, even through governments and politics, how they distorted the truth for mankind. And this is where I'm revealing the coveted truths of life. So it has further pictures on, and then it goes down to where it is it a coincidence that the former president George H. Bush lived in Matamoros, which is M-A-T-A, then capital M-O-R-O-S on the Texas-Mexican border town for a long time with his father, also known as president, uh, former president, George W. Bush, owning the Texas Commerce Bank in, all the, in that town. And we also look at the meaning of Mata, which is M-A-T-A, and we have what? Bush, as in George Bush. And we also know that Moros, M-O-R-O-S, which is uh, known for M-O-O-R or Moors. So Mata Moros means the Bush of the Moors. So they were actually, the Bush are actually Moorish and Moors hate Christians. And Mata is the noun. And if we look at the verb Matar, M-A-T-I-R, it means to kill. Wow, so much in a name and it is not even good, but we experience and expected uh, what then what will come uh, to their family name. And then it shows the border crossing between Mexico and the United States. And it says that um, in closing, and if we look at another George, the Georgia Guidestones, we have another Moore slash Mary connection. Well, we know that the Georgia Guidestones are called the U.S. Stonehenge. But do you know that there is another Stonehenge in the United States? Yes, I do. And it was in the state of Washington in 1929, and it's called the Mary Hill Stonehenge or Mary Hill, M-A-R-Y-H-I-L-L. For many again, and this is just down from the Columbia River. Now, Columbia, C-O-L-O-M-B-I-A, is another name for ISIS. 
another name from Mary, of course. And you can see the picture there. Uh, we aren't saying that all these people are bad, except maybe for the Bushes, but we are saying that many worship Mary unknowingly. Many have been deceived by the influence of the Jesuits, and that's spelled J-E-S-U-I-T-S, who have fooled scores of thousands and millions of people all around the world. What we are trying to point out here is that their influence has tricked people of faith, good people. We hope by expanding the truth that they will see what has been done and can make their own decisions based on this new information as to what is true and what is good. We are at the time of greatest deception, though through all knowledge uh, should be revealed. So then it goes on to state that uh, she also has what I respect about her uh, being not only the, the number one alternative historian in de deciphering, decoding works, but she does her presentations in two formats. One is that she does a actual video and the other one is where she does a regular page and posts the script with the photos. So the people have the choice of actually watching a video or reading through and scrolling down. I prefer reading better than than these than the actual watching the script. Okay, that's the end of part one. So it's also listed in Flat Earth, and she states that uh, uh, you can see her YouTube version. I this was produced. Uh, way back in when I found it in, uh, I believe it was, let me double check, two, it was October 1st, 2017. So it's been a good almost five years from now. However, uh, her work is still unprecedented and she is exceptional by every means. What I want to do now is uh, continue on. Jeff, did you want to make any comments before we start part two? Part eight, rather. I do. Thank you very much, Chris, for the opportunity. First of all, I just want to say that uh, people are sending gifts to you. They've been sending claps, 100%, all kinds of things. And we have a super chat. And my promise has always been to the audience to read the super chat. And this one comes from Katie7. And she simply states, enjoying the podcast. And Chris, I, I did mention as well that uh, th there is a possibility, because I, I know that the other one isn't quite as long, that there may be an opportunity for people to ask questions at the end if we have time. If we don't, we will certainly do it at the end of this uh, series. So, you know, please be sure to take write down any questions or anything like that. And even if you type them in, I can read them. Super chat for sure they get on the air. And, uh, and occasionally we are able to take calls as well. And thank you for sending the love and thank you for sending the coffee to Scraps and Selah. And everyone else, uh, TN Mountain Lady, who we also know is now Alana, and uh, everyone who's been sending all the gifts and things like that. It really does help the uh, the podcast, gets our algorithm up. I haven't been pushing it this hard, uh, too hard this month because I did take a couple weeks off. Uh, but I'm going to run the contest. I'm going to honor the contest. So whoever gave the most amount of pod points at the end will get a prize that supersedes the amount of uh, the gifts that you have given, but next month we're going to go at it aggressively because if you look towards the top of your screen, I'm assuming your screen looks the same as mine. We are not in the top 10 anymore and I want to get back there and we can only do it through you. So Chris, if I may quote you because I quote you often now, even though oh. you don't know this, but one of the things I've picked up from you and say often now is onward. 
<laughs> okay, these are military terms, but it's basically have. So you hear me say over, you'll hear me say uh, uh, onward, or you'll hear me say a standby. They're all military terms. Anyway, uh, I do want to thank your audience, Jeff, because I consider it also my audience, because this knowledge is for their knowledge, so they will understand the truths of life. And yes, it is a risk, but it's worth taking it because the public needs to know the answers to life. They've been denied for untold countless tens and hundreds of millennia as our world is, uh, our earth is essentially 19.6 billion years old. We're on, so uh, I appreciate everyone that's trying to help so I can continue on and, and give you the best of the best in this world that the, the public is uh, entitled to the answers to what are the truths and we'll continue in. But uh, I also, when possible, I'm, I'm on other shows. I'm on five other international shows between Australia uh, New Netherlands, Great Britain, uh, Wales, uh, Scotland, and Australia, besides Canada with you, Jeff. But um, I'm also a co-host uh, with one called Beyond Belief, and that's with a man by the name of Big Chief and also Raccoon. Raccoon does monitor this and also my other ones as well as uh, uh, Big Chief as well. So uh, you can watch. And I Beyond think I've seen Big Chief in the audience here. Is it the same Big Chief? That's correct, Big Chief. Oh, excellent. Well, welcome, Big Chief and Raccoon 6. I haven't seen you here, but if you are here, welcome to Right On Radio. Okay. You will come on our show. This was developed by Big Chief, but Raccoon and I are co-hosts as we are all spiritually connected and we help mankind and share the knowledge of life. So we'll go forward with uh, this next part here. Okay. This is Flat Earth Decoded, and Rosette goes on. It's called the Urbano Monte. That's U-R-B-A-N-O-M-O-T-E map, and this is part eight. The Urbano Monte map is the latest flat earth map to come on the scene. It has been in circulation for a while, and that's why it is critical for you, audience, to go to Jeff's Right On University, Right On You, and you can, you can read this, you can view it, and you can literally print it and, and uh, uh Download it. So this is all to your advantage to have the to get the truths that have been withheld forever. So she continues on and states that uh, uh, that this is the first time that all the pieces were assembled as a map maker intended. It in a ten foot, what is called a planisphere, P L A N I S P H E R E, and it is such an amazing map. I love how he drew it and resemble us. A flower. The outer rim looks like petals, and they are. You'll see this in a way. So, and the area of the North Pole resembles a flower as well. If we remove the star in the center, it looks like this, and it shows a map with the land at the North Pole, and you can see it. And this uh, image is from the War of Roses, which is the from the House of Lancaster. There were two houses, and they're all has to do with gematria and uh, phonetics. So what is also depicted is a in a painting in the Great Hall at Winchester Castle portraying King Arthur. Notice that Arthur is in the middle. He holds a 13th position. The one in the center is the one represented by the red rose. The 12 red ray, rose, the, I'll get tongue-tied, 12 red rays to coincide with the 12 knights, okay, of King Arthur. And it shows that picture there. So 
uh, Winchester Castle is a medieval building in Hampshire, England. It was founded in 1067, and for over 100 years, it was a seat of government of the Norman kings, N-O-R-M-A-N. Beginning in 1222, Henry III was born at Winchester Castle, aided and added by the Great Hall, uh, built to a, a double cube design. So it's not a single, it's a double cube measuring 110 feet by 55 feet by 55 feet. And when he, when added together, you have 110 plus 55 plus 55 equals 220. Now remember that Christ's number, Gematria, is number 22. Now, notice how it was built in the year 1222 and how they love to triple the twos also. Like in the 2022 date for the blackout depicted in Blade Runner 2024. Uh, it shows the uh, caption of the movie. And even though the flat earth plane with the red rose is in the middle, the series, The Magicians, M-A-G-I-C-I-A-N-S. And here is Quentin, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N, the main character of the series before the administration of the school with a map behind him showing the King Arthur map. And then it goes on to state another photograph from the movie uh, and here is the actual painting hanging in Winchester. Uh, notice that the white rose is in uh, inside the red rose. That's very important. The red rose represents Christ and King Arthur. The white rose represents the Luciferians. Okay, so you need to understand that, audience. So he states, uh, she states, controlling the red rose, just like in the Tudor rose, and that's T-U-D-O-R, controlling both the left and the right. So it's a white rose inside of a red rose. It's showing who is controlling what. Just like in the Pope, represented in the Hierophant card, and that's H-I-E-R-O-P-H-A-N-T card, blue inner yet red outer, controlling both the left and the right. Red is the public face acting as if they are Christian, but the blue reveals the truth because they are the followers of Lucifer. And then we have the Roman numeral five, which is uh, represented in numeric five. But remember, the letter V is also the 22nd letter. So we have the 22 again in the Hierophant card, in what you think of the tarot cards. While white inner, red outer, blue inner, red outer, just like they showed in the latest school shooting with Nicholas to Jesus Cruz are of Jesus of the Cross in that movie, but uh, the public face, the red shirt, when they are Luciferian blue shirts underneath his underwear. Everything in the movies, there is symbolism that has been in movies since day one, and you just have to look. Now that you're getting this knowledge, audience, you can actually start seeing this in the movies you watch every time you go to the movies, or whether Netflix or Hula, whatever. But now you know the difference of what to look for. You look for the red, okay? All right. Arthur and his knights and their round table are represented, represented of Jesus and his 12 disciples uh, in Jesus' round table. Yes, more truth is hiding and hidden in plain sight. Notice that the circular cutout right in front of Jesus, okay? What is that representing? Well, Jesus is in the center and he holds the 13th position. The disciples representing the 12 months are broken into groups of three, representing the four seasons, Notice the dome just above Jesus' head in the back of the picture by Leonardo da Vinci. That's showing that the table is not only round, but that uh, Jesus is, is in the center. 
Okay, that's very important because in a two-dimensional image, it's difficult. You have to read between the lines and look, I think, outside the box so you can understand that uh, what da Vinci was trying to show. So notice that the dome above Jesus is a dome on a flat level plane, which is our home. So King Arthur was Christ-like, and he was a Christian king who loved his people and who turned uh, and loved him. That is why the elite hid the history, the true history of King Arthur. They usurp him like they usurp everything good. They are the Talmudic Jews of the synagogue of Satan. This is what I've been representing and explaining to all the audiences. And they were represented by King Cole. But King Cole, the Cole was spelled C-O-E-L. And uh, it also comes very close to the word C-O-A-L. King Arthur's, what that was his arch enemy. And that is the House of York, like New York City. Okay, onward. So at the top of that flower of Ibarno Monte's map, and that's U-R-B-A-N-O and then M-O-N-T-E apostrophe S map, we have the eight-pointed star. Remember, the eight-pointed star represents Polaris, the northern star directly above our heads. Here is an actual photo of Polaris taken by a P900 camera. So you can see that it's not actually eight-pointed at all. And it shows an actual photograph of it. Polaris is also showed it, associated with polar bear. That's how you get the name Polaris, because polar is inside of it. One of the immovable stars in our night sky. All the others revolve around it. That is a fact, audience. Just like Jesus is in the center with the disciples around him. And this symbol of the polar bear for Christ is depicted in the scene of the snow piercer, where Curtis, and Curtis uh, represents Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S, or just Christ, C-R-C-H-R-I-S-T, saves the children. So you take the spelling and you just juxtapose and reverse uh, letters and you get the word Christ. So the Inuit and the little boy get from the train, wreck of the train, and step outside. They realize they weren't and they aren't freezing and they hope that they can survive in the movie. And don't we see what happens to Curtis? But do we see... The children notice the polar bear. And then we know that Christ sacrificing himself to save humanity. There's a white polar bear in the movie. We also have the eight-pointed star depicting, which is known as S-U-U-R, as in Sur, and then Mungamni, which is M-U-N-A-M-A-G-I, which is the tallest mountain in Estonia, in Northern Europe. Here, yes, it shows direction, but it is not like you are in a ship at sea needing to navigate your way home. Rather, it is here symbolically representing the North Star above the tower in the middle, the magnetic mountain. So then it goes on to show that here we have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with Christ looking on the right. And notice that the red with white spots in the background with Adam and Eve holding the fruits, quote, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Notice that the tree is in the center with a ring around it. Adam and Eve are in the ring, which is in the earth plane, P-L-A-N-E. Now, again, the ring made a red uh, background with white spots, patterned like the Urbano uh, Monte map in the center. I will go into that in another explanation uh, to help the audience, but I don't have time. It's more uh, involved, but... Uh, I will give that to Jeff as well. 
And we're aware that the North Pole is where Santa uh, is supposed to have lived. Remember in the 2012 Christmas movie uh, called Arthur's Christmas? Notice what the king, Arthur, wrapped the polar bear in, just like in the red circle with the red spots of, on this map. It, and Arthur's Christmas is an animated film, but the polar bear was wrapped in red and white, and I'll explain that another time. The red circle with the white spots. Listen to what Terrence McKenna, and that's T-E-R-E-N-C-E, um, double R, says about this. Quoting, consider for a moment Santa Claus, spelled out S-A-N-T-A, and second word C-L-E-U-S, is the master of the elves. The elves make toys for the children in their vast underground shops. And where are these toy shops? At the North Pole. And at the North Pole is the Axis Mundi, which is A-X-I-S-M-U-N-D-I, which is known as in the uh, uh, Norse uh, mythology. It's spelled Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L, Yardasil, the world ash, the center of Mandela, M-A-N-D-A-L-A, which are the colors of Santa Claus. What are they? They're red and white. The colors of the Amanta, which is A-M-A-N-I-T-A, and Muscaria, which is M-U-S-C-A-R-I-A. That is the psychedelic drug, and I will get into that in detail. I have an incredible article that I discovered by uh, a uh, archaeologist in Central America, and, and he will prove to the audience that all of the Mesoamerican uh, uh, races that we know of, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Toltecs, the Incas, the Olympics, all the way down to uh, even uh, the Incas, they were all uh, what you call uh, psychedelic drug addicts. And all of their uh, work is represented in it with the uh, what you call psilocybin, etc. So what I want to go on with this is that uh, the colors of the psychedelic drug what is the animal uh, is titular to Santa? Well, it's the reindeer. The reindeer are central to the, which are the Amanta Muscara cult because the reindeer eat the mushroom, then they excrete it, the urine. This is thought to be cleaner, easier way to take the mushroom. Amanta flora, snow. Santa Claus rides in the center of this culture. The Axis Munde, or the Yadisil, the world ash, the center of the Mandalala, he says. And then it shows a, a cartoon image artwork by John Speaker of a psychedelic Santa. But that is what the red and white truly stands for. Everything is polarized for what we've been learned. So the center of Mandela. Then it shows the Urbano map, the Urbano Monte is an ISIS as a basically coded name, just like Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus has the double C abbreviation, which is the code 33. And Columbus is in the honor of the goddess Columbia, which is another name for Isis, I-S-I-S. -S. Notice how Columbia displays the M hand sign, which is uh, M for Mason. And I, this is an actual painting. And if you look at his hand, which is his left hand across his chest, it does display, this is, an, this is the, what the adepts do, is they share it. The signs are in plain sight and have been for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Less than 100 years later, in 1587, a little-known map maker of Milan, Italy, Urbano Monte created his map. He lived from August 16th, 1544 to May 15th, 1613. And it shows a picture of him in a circle. 
and then in uh, uh, his name, uh, but it has the ancient spelling rather than modern. So let's decipher the code of his name. Urbano, U-R-B-A-N-O, is a name taken by eight popes of the Vatican. This is Pope Urban II, and you see a picture of it. Um, he he's said to be Stoic. It is an Italian. It is Italian, and it means both urban, U-R-B-A-N, as in city dweller, and also it means elegant, as in E-L-E-G-A-N-T. And Pope, P-O-P-E, is a version of P-O-E hyphen P-A, which is Popa or Papa, which is other than P-A hyphen P-A, which is another name for father. So the elegant father. And we are aware that the popes are from the line of the real Illuminati families, which was discussed in the conversations with Crackers in part six. By using that name, it does associate him with these people. It would be interesting to know who funded Monte and his map, which is known as Qui Bono, which is Q-U-I-B-O-N-O, which is always one of the key questions to answer and to ask. But Qui Bono means for, uh, uh, for free, okay, in uh, Latin. Okay, notice Urban's chrome dome. His haircut style resembles the, quote, dome, meaning the truth in plain sight once again. And they, you'll see that when you look at uh, Jeff's site. Back to the map maker Urbano. His last name, Monte, M-O-N-T-E, is Italian for what? Mountain, M-O-U-N-T-A-I-N. So Urbane Monte means elegant mountain. And being a map maker, the most significant and elegant mountain would be the mountain in the middle where Monte's focal point of his map is located at Mount Meru, that's M-E-R-U. So Urbane Monte is the code for the mountain in the middle of our plane. And that shows a picture of the mountain. And Monte lived around the same time as uh, German Flemish counterparts, Gerardus Mer uh, Ger Gerard or Gerardus Mercator. Mercator lived from March 5th, 1512 uh, to December 2nd, 1594. And what is Mercator, Mercator hiding in plain sight here? Do you see it? He's hiding Mount Meru on his hat. It shows a picture of him. And the mountain is on his head, hidden in plain sight. My goodness, what else? It shows a, uh, a actual, like a sketching, a drawing uh, a picture of him with a, a special type of hat with a big beard, but he is one of very few, less than 20, that have actually gone to the North Pole, seen that there, are, there is land there, there is a mountain, and there is fresh water coming out. She states it flows in. I know the, that it's the opposite, that it actually flows from inner earth out. Okay, looking at his sleeves, there are two mountains as well, which are two pillars, and the, the, the middle pillar being Urbano Monte is what she's stating. And this is Gerard Mercator. In Mercator's letter to John D., and he was later known by Sir John D. because he was knighted by Queen uh, Victoria, and he was pure evil. He was both a uh, co-regent, he was uh, an astrologer, he was an advisor, but he was literally pure evil. And you'll get that from another article that I have with uh, the number one historian in the world, Alternative, and his name is, um, let me see, uh, Oh, gosh, I've drawn a blank. Um, uh, Michael Sarian, T-S-A-R-I-O-N. Okay, he describes the land at the North Pole. He says that it is surrounded on all sides, except for the north, 
with the very tall mountains that reach the clouds and are free from vegetation. The land is divided by four rivers, and she states that flow with a very strong current northwards. Actually, it's reverse. Anyway, immaterial. However, master magicians equal double M, which is 33 for Masonic order. And then it shows another picture of um, what is interesting is that both Mercator and Monte showed land at the North Pole. And not only land, but on both of their maps as having four islands with four indrawing seas, which are actually rivers. And we see how similar the flower is when looking at Mercator's map and also when you look at uh, um, Monte's map. Okay, so uh, continue on. A few centuries later, Catherine II of Russia, this is very important, heard about the land of the north by the Masons. She organized two expeditions. The first one, which sailed on May 4th, 1764, uh, to find the elixir of life, meaning what is known as the Sorcerer's Stone. That is the elixir that prolongs life. Notice she is pointing to a flower on her chest. And what is that flower? It's a hibiscus flower. I'll get to that in a moment. But she's pointing, saying she was an adept. She knew there was land at the North Pole. She knew about that the hibiscus flower, what it truly means. And here she goes. Notice she's pointing to a flower in her chest, the hibiscus flower, which is a tropical version of the red rose. More truth hiding in plain sight. She is saying she knows about the mountain in the center at the North Pole and the land and the rivers. So that's it. You'll see that on, on Jeff's site, which is depicted in the Wizard of Oz map. Here we're aware it was depicted uh, the land at the North Pole of L. Frank Baum's map. He even draws and labels Yellow Brick Road in the same place as the candy cane striped road of Mercator's map. And on Baum's map, the Emerald City, City has the mountains in the middle, uh, just like the Urbano Monte. And so, uh, my mouse, okay. One more thing I'd like to point out about the middle. Did you notice it yet? Look closely at the middle of the map. What do you see? And she's referring to both of these maps. The tape measurement that goes both horizontal and vertical intersecting at the center is numbered on each side up to 90 for the four 90-degree angles. But what we, do we see in the middle? The letter G, okay? The letter G is the Masonic G in their, in their symbol. So they've been trolling life for tens of millennia, tens of thousands. So you have the Masonic symbol, the Freemasons, which is a square and a compass with the letter G inside. That letter G actually represents for their God, which is Lucifer, not our God or Christ. L, like G in Gilliam, who plays God in Snowpiercer movie, notice the empty chair when Curtis was just sitting with Jesus on the cross behind him. I haven't seen that movie. Like the G as in the uh, movie Giver, uh, The Giver, again, the God character. And it's showing references to it. So G is the center of Urbano Monte's map. Apparently it has three meanings. Um, and that those being one, that Monte is a Mason, first off, two, that ma the Masons control the center, which is also understood by the white rose usurping, usurping the red rose in the Tudor rose. Three, that the G is where God is located, but they refer to their God. Now, the white usurping the red, 
Notice that the white rose showed up in the Florida staged event. Trump's on the left with uh, Melania, and that Melania translates to the I am male, as in I, letter A-M, space M-A-L-E. He is wearing blue tie, and Trump is from where? New York City, and that's Y-O-R-K. The Yorks in the War of the Roses against the Arthur, okay? The Lancasters, all right? So you have the Masons who are, it shows a picture of Trump and, and his wife and uh, someone who's in the hospital. Uh, let me see. Uh, anyway, uh, the Masons are connected to the Knights Templar. It was Jacques de Molay, the last grandmaster of the Knights Templar, who was buried, burned at the stake by the Pope. And in Milan, Italy, uh, the city flag is the Knights Templar flag, which is directly tied to the Masons because Milan, along with Genoa and Venice, were your three primary during this era. So then you see the red cross itself, which is a horizontal cross. It's uh, far linear and it's more rectangular. Here we have uh, that it is flying uh, the red cross depicted on the map of King Philip IV. He was known as King uh, Philip the Fair and his cousin was Pope Innocent III. And they, what they did is uh, he had borrowed so much money from the Templars who were the true treasurers of the world at that time that he felt it was easier just to eliminate the Templars than to repay the massive amount of debt. And so he killed uh, Jacques de Molay, who was a grandmaster, and about 15% of the Knights Templar. But they then changed their name, moved to Portugal, and became the Order of Christ. And after that, then they moved to Scotland and became the, um, uh, <coughs> the Freemasons, the Masonic Order. So that history is never written by the uh, by the defeated. It's always written by the victors. And history and knowledge is never discovered. It is always passed from one secret society to the next successor, the reigning ones. And this has happened for tens of thousands of millennia. So then it shows a picture of the earth, and it shows even in a 2015 documentary called MERU, which is Meru, on the Mount Meru in the Indian Himalayas. We, so we, we believe that it is located over in Asia, and not in the middle of the earth, where that's incorrect. The true Mount Maru is actually at the North Pole. Okay, now we go on. And, uh, there is a movie called Maru, Believe in the Impossible. It shows a picture of a, a rock climber scaling down a uh, high mountain. Anyway, uh, just a few months ago in Google, on their daily features, now this is based 2017, audience remember this, that uh, and the Norwegian Fridjot Nassen, which is a, uh, that's F-R-I-D-T-J-O-F, and then Nassen is N-A-N-S-E-N, -E who attempted to reach, uh, that was a person's name, who attempted to reach the North Pole in 1893. They highlighted him because he was such a rugged individual and an athlete and so brave to attempt to reach the North Pole. And even he couldn't do it, so we have to forego the possibility of any future expeditions. It is impossible to reach, and it is also controlled by Thule Air Force Base on the uh, west coast of Greenland, and it's also controlled by one that is not known. It's a uh, secret base that is an, uh, affiliated with NATO and the uh, NWO, and that is on the northern coast of, uh, of uh, Norway. So no one will ever be able to sail up there or fly up there. They'll be shot down or sunk. Okay, onward. So no one will ever know the truth about that there is land at the North Pole. It is a, it is the true center of our earth. There is fresh water inside, and that we live on this, that our 
our planet has both uh, what is known as a, uh, we live on the uh, convex surface and the concave wraps around at the poles, which go inside. Okay. Then it shows a picture of uh, that Nasen, N-A-N-S-E-N, is the second one from the left in the picture uh, trying to head north with his uh, crew of uh, sled dogs and expedition and their ship, which is basically, I think, frozen along the coast. His hat looks like a black tower again, uh, meaning Mount Maru. The black magnetic tower is in the center, similar to King Philip's hat here. They're both looking toward the left, meaning that they follow the left-hand path. And that's, she shows the pictures again of uh, they're looking always to the left. So Nassen didn't do it, but Mercator did. And King Arthur did in the year 530 AD. Keep a note, audience, that King Arthur, there was at least two, I believe there were three. One was 300 AD, and that one was killed in a war in uh, uh, where Yugoslavia is now. And the second uh, King Arthur was the one that we know, which is in uh, 559 AD. He was killed in the state of Kentucky. They had already made it to the East Coast, and this was done uh, going centuries back uh, so that Columbus was the very last person to the States, and he wasn't looking for a shortcut route to the Indies. He knew exactly where he was going. Okay, onward. And approximately 60 years earlier in the 1830s, Olaf Jensen was uh, wrote about his trip uh, there with his father. This one is I Have Read. It is called The Smoky God. And Willis George Emerson tells the supposed story of, it's not supposed, it is fact, Olaf Janssen and his father who sailed their little fishing boat from Stockholm, Sweden, to the North Pole, where they entered in the in-drawing seas, where they went inside and they met and befriended a race of giants. They lived there for two years, and then when they left, the uh, they came out. And the point is that um, that uh, they had, there was fresh water. They stayed, and the giants. And you can see pictures in this. Uh, Jeff has all my images, whereby they were literally twelve to fourteen feet tall. They were docile. They were helpful, and they experienced lived there for two years when they left to go back home to tell about this inner world that uh, the father drowned on the way home. He went and told the authorities and they locked him up in prison. When he was released from prison, he then uh, escaped to the United States. He lived somewhere around, I believe it was Iowa. And he wrote the book, The Smoky God. It is absolutely worth reading. You can read it online like I did. Anyway, that is a person's name that I mentioned uh, so that... Um, uh, Olaf, O-L-A-F, his last name is J-E-N-S-E-N. And it's in the, it was uh, produced by um, Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S, George Emerson. Okay, I've got to go very fast. Catherine II of Russia sent ships there as well. As we mentioned earlier, we see that in the trip, the Nassen was just a smokescreen. Analogous with the, what is, where it is uh, known as NASA, N-A-S-A, to steal and steer everyone away from this place in the beginning. So even the fabricated story of the Titanic sinking was probably intended to instill the people's mind in the terror. The Titanic did sink, but it, there is a much more reason. There were three Illuminae on board the ship, uh, and one was Macy, and I forgot the other two, but the point is that was rigged, and that was intended to take out the two that would not go along with this, uh, this aspect of the New World Order. So in a travesty, in my opinion, that uh, we can never see the majestic sight it is truly magical mountain, and they've known this. They're incorrigible. They are despicable human beings. 
they uh, barring this sacred land from humanity. I've heard many flat earthers discuss hidden truth and believe that the hidden truth land is here in the center. It is very special. And if we could actually see that we would prove God, it would restore faith to humanity. It would break Satan's spell over the world. And we would then understand just how special we are. It is a fascinating that the cartographer Urbano Monte identified exactly eight rulers on this map, the lines, the eight again for the eight-pointed star, and which is usurped by the elite, meaning those that have been the blue bloods. And he shows the actual images of the eight blue bloods. Look at the portion of the map of King Philip on it. We do see to his left a monster with fish legs, which is known as Abraxas, A-B-R-A-X-A-S. And then it goes on to say that Abraxas is a god that the Knights Templars worshipped. Here is an image of one of their coins, and it does show it. So when you see the site, everything I've spoken to you about will be relevant and evident. Notice that A-B-R-A is one side and on the, a short for Abraxas. Yes, we also have A-B-R-A, which means open in Latin. What are they trying to open? The portal to the demon world, probably, because we, we have the word abracadabra, open sesame, or abrahadarius, which is A-B-R-A, uh, H-A-D-R-A-B-R-A, uh, as in Alexer, Alexer Crowley changed it to. Abraxas home, perhaps. Notice, too, that Venus in the, is a crescent uh, of the moon, uh, and Venus is hot like hell, supposedly, but we know better. Uh, Venus and Lun, Luna, uh, which is lunacy, are being isolated here. You can see ancient coins with these on it. Now, Abraxas is associated with Venus. These crafty Phoenicians loved the world and uh, to play. They're phone- basically based on phonetics. Remember that PH can also make the V sound. So like in the word Stephen, we, if we pronounce with a PH, in Phoenician, we have the V sound. And we, that... Uh, that the Phoenicians are really uh, Venetians. So who are the Venetians? They are the men- merchants of Venice, just like the Shakespeare play. Where did Abraxas uh, modern-day imagery? Oh, yes, on the Starbucks logo. Starbucks in the star Venus, which is exactly what they're showing on their coffee. It is all rigged. Now in the series Battlestar Galacta, the main character was named Starbuck. In the recent version they made, Starbucks' uh, character was female, but made her very tough like a male. They even had her fight in a ring with a male. So onward, the uh, Italian map maker called Abraxas on his map, which is a god of the Knights Templar and whose flag over the hometown of Milan, who is associated with the merchants of nearby Venice who worship Venus, and which is the town that is contemporary uh, Christopher Columbus is supposedly from. And we are seeing the connection yet to the audience, look at the, another section of the map and notice the unicorn on the right. The symbol of the unicorn is the symbol of Lucifer. In Wikipedia, we learn the unicorn is legendary creature. It's not legendary and has been described since antiquity as a beast with a single large pointed spiral horn uh, projecting from its forehead. The unicorn was uh, depicted in ancient seals of the Indus Valley civilization in India and was mentioned by the ancient Greeks in accounts of natural history by various writers, including uh, T-S-E-S-L-I-A-L-A-S, which is Sesla, Strabo, uh, Pinning the Younger, and uh, Alien, which is A-E-L-I-A-N, Alien. The Bible also describes the animal uh, and being in the R-E apostrophe E-M, which some versions translate into unicorn. 
Then it shows the map. And at the bottom we're here, we go in European folklore, the unicorn is most often depicted, depicted as a white horse-like or goat-like animal with a long horn and cloven hoofs and sometimes a goat's beard. In the Middle Ages and Renaissance, it was commonly described as ex extremely wild uh, woodland creature and a symbol of purity, grace, and could only be captured by a virgin. And it shows a picture of a unicorn. Uh, depicted here on the, on the lap of the Virgin Mary, which is Mary who the Catholics worship under the Universal Church. And notice UNI is another, the capital UNI is another name for Lucifer, what they call in Universal Church, and is a counterpart Isis. Remember in alchemy, to reach enlightenment, it is called Iosis, which is I-O-S-I-S. -S. So that shows a picture of the Virgin Mary with a unicorn on her lap. But we have absolutely been betrayed and misled. Notice that the king standing on the rose in the center, holding the scepter and a ball, which represents both spiral and temporal power, like the Queen of England does and the Pope does. And Philip of Swabia, which was February, March of 1177 to 21 June of 1208, was a prince of the house of, which is known as Hofenstaufen, which is H-O-H-E-N-S-T-A-U-F-E-N, which is, and the king of Germany. He knew the secret. Then you have the red rose. And we're at, when looking at the section, which is in southern Argentina, we see giants depicted. And Antarctica is very close. So it's almost touching the land points. Giants are the children of the Nephilim. The elite who ruled our world today is there more to truth to the legends of giants inhabiting this region. Absolutely. The Patagones, which are P-A-T-A-G-O-N-E-S, or Patagonian giants, are a race of people who first began uh, to appear in early European accounts of the little-known then region coastline of Patagonia, which is P-A-T-A-G-O-N-I-A. They supposedly lived and exceeded at least double the normal human height, some accounts giving them to 12 to 15 feet. And Magellan did go there. He did uh, bring one on board and was bringing it back to Europe. However, the giant died and uh, did not make it. But uh, the, Magellan is one of the first that actually not only saw but met them. They were docile. They were not dangerous. And they, unfortunately, uh, they were exploited. Tales of these people would take a hold over European concepts over the region for some 250 years. So uh, 12 to 15 feet in height, which is in line with the King Og which of Bashan, B-A-S-A-N, in the Book of Giants at 13 feet. I do believe giants were roughly twice the size of human man, not necessarily bigger like some claim. And then it showed the... Uh, King Og's bed next to a six foot tall man in 1520, some 60 odd years before the uh, Monte and Mercator, uh, Fernanda, uh, Ferdinand Magellan sailed to the remote region of Argentina known as Patagonia. Then it shows a picture of the giants. It is here in written in his journal by Antonio Pigafetta, which is P-I-G-A-F-E-T-T-A, -T 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 that Magellan came upon Jones in the book, Magellan's Voyage, a narrative account of the first uh, circumnavigation, we read of Pigafetta's account of meeting giants. And it quotes, when he was before us, he began to marvel and to be afraid. And he raised one finger upward, believing that we would, that uh, came from heaven. And he was so tall that the tallest of us only came up to his waist. And they had a big booming voice. And he shows a drawing that was made at that time. Of that island, Magellan and had his men give the giant food, drink, 
and made the mistake of showing him a mirror. And in quotes, it goes, wherein the giant seeing himself was greatly terrified, wrote Pigafetta, leaping backward so that the three of, of the four of us men were laid to the ground. But once things were calmed down, the explorers proceeded to make contact with the rest of the tribe, hunting them, hunting with them, and even building a house to store their provisions while on shore. So you know that Magellan not only went around Patagonia, Argentina, but he also stayed there and met with giants. After several weeks with the tribe, Magellan hit upon the scheme. He'd kidnap two of them and take them back to Spain to prove that he discovered giants. Then he quotes from the Pigafetta, but this is was a, a cunning tr- but this was a cutting trick for otherwise the giants would have troubled had trouble with some of our men. Magellan gave them all a manner of metal goods to fool them, mirrors, scissors, belts, and they wouldn't mind at all when he snapped cuffs and chains on their legs. Whereas these giants took great pleasure in seeing these features and uh, but did not know that what that what had been done to them and they were grieved when they could not uh, separate them from their hands and knees, uh, ankles, and their mitts already were full of other trinkets. Magellan, though, lost his evidence during the long haul back to Spain. The giants did survive, did not survive, rather, but what Magellan and Pigafetta did bring back was a tale and the new uh, name of the land of the giants, Patagonia, the etymology of which still is unclear, but with a local assumption, it translates into land of the big feet, quote, due to the pata, meaning foot in Spanish. So there are very interesting connections with the Urbano Monte map. And it shows more pictures. And basically, one picture I find amusing in this image is placing Urbanto's map onto a globe. That is not what he intended. He made all the pieces integrated so that they assembled into one large flat circular map. He wanted the map posted onto a vertical board attached by the center so the people could rotate it and see it all the details of the region. He had never intended it for it to be pasted onto a sphere or a ball. After uh, Nicholas Copernicus had published the heliocentric map model in 1543, most of the world still viewed the Earth as flat. Here it is in Google version. You can check it out in the compelling um, complete map of the sections uh, and the secondary material before. So I have the highlights on this and people can just copy the highlights and, and look at these maps. And lastly, uh, to look at our outer rim, it is the land of Antarctica. Uh, notice that it is not covered in ice before. Uh, if we look at Samuel Rowenbottom's book, which is R-O-W-B-O-T-H-A-M-S book, uh, which is Z-E-T-E-T-I-C, Zetetic Astronomy, Earth is Not a Globe, that Rowenbottom cites, voyage to the south regarding Vasco da Gama's trip in the late 1400s to the southern ocean abutting Antarctica. He writes, in quote, the whole term, uh, the, the whole terminates in fog and darkness where snow and driving hail, piercing sleet and bostering winds, howling storms, uh, madly mounting waves, clashing icebergs, and almost constant, uh, are almost always constant. The waves rise like mountains in height, Ships are heaved up to the clouds and are apparently precipitated by circling whirlpools to the bed of the ocean. The winds are piercing cold and so bolsterous that the pilot's voice can seldom be heard, whilst a dismal sound uh, is almost uh, continual darkness and greatly to the danger. So, in closing, we see a difference from what 
Rowan Botham cited in 1888 about the 1497 version as the Antarctic region as hostile and swarming with icebergs. And Montes, which is Monte Ubata's map, uh, depicted a circular land uh, mass free of ice. Mercator's full projection map already shows the inconsistency from Montes in that he has Antarctica covered with ice as a separate continent, not a ring like on today's ball earth map. More study is needed into this subject. And um, if and when the Antarctic region was free from ice, until next time, take care. And then she posted in both her YouTube and her flat earth. All this is available to the audience through Jeff's site. Uh, Jeff, continue. I've uh, finished the article. Over. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Well, th this one blew my mind. Well, and what, what I want to stress to the audience is what you're learning from these particular articles is how to decode. Uh, this is like a masterclass in decoding. So uh, go back and listen and learn how to find these things yourself because they always show their symbolism everywhere. It's a hidden language for only them to understand but we are learning it now too. And yes, I would encourage you if you're able to go to right on you, that's right on R I G H T O N with the letter U right on you.com and support the military analyst. Uh, Chris, we always appreciate you. Thank you kindly. And Chris, a little bit later this afternoon, I'm going to give you a call if that's okay. Uh, just because I thought of, of something that will, improve the listener experience and make this show even better so uh stay tuned for that audience and, and listen if you're listening to this as a replay please remember that we do this live every wednesday 1 p.m eastern standard time and you're really missing a lot of the experience by not being in the chat and if you were in the chat today, you would have learned about the beginnings of an expedition, perhaps, which was quite fascinating of a topic. I want to thank everyone here for joining us. Uh, tune in next time. Of course, right on radio, we'll have a regular show on all, the, all of our platforms uh, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. We do shows every Tuesday, Thursday at 7 p.m. And then we do a ministry show Sunday at 10 a.m. And we're currently studying the book of acts so thank you again once for joining you thank you to the military analyst for your hard work and for really picking up the pace there <laughs> that was uh man you you have motor mouth function beyond belief you can really roll it out chris uh thank you for that you you're gifted in that way and uh until next time remember love your god love your family love your neighbor as yourself and make a difference in your community. Over now, Jeff.